at least I do. Um, one, par- one parent, don't want to give them away, keep them anonymous. They said that they had a pile of just empty boxes out on the street corner, looked like an avalanche was about to happen. And I remembered way back when mine were younger, when they were little, and just the piles of empty boxes right after Christmas. Yeah, the anticipation, the excitement, the cheer, and the chaos that we experience in Christmas and now trying to get back to a new start. The heaps of the gifts, the presents, all the new stuff. It made me think about the gifts I've received in the past. Um, Hot Wheel cars, He-Man wrestlers, Legos, um, bicycles that I actually rode around on Christmas Day because it doesn't get that cold down here sometimes. Uh, One thing in particular I got, a pottery kit. That was connected to the fact that we make New Year's resolutions a lot of times and we uh, have goals that we set. And I was going to become a master potter. That was in my mind. (laughs) Don't remember how old I was. It probably an embarrassing age, maybe 12. No. Uh, but um, I remember in that kit there was a bag of white powder. There were some little plastic tools. I don't know what you do with them because I never could figure out the lumpy concoction that I ended up mixing up. And so I never got to the shaping tools. Um, especially since my mom said, I think that's one of those outside kind of toys. Um, <laughs> So, devastated, disillusioned, because my pottery days were behind me already, before it even started, pretty much. A lot of obstacles, as that movie over 20 years ago, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, said. Never could get the clay just right. It dried up way too fast, got crumbly, lumpy, hard to deal with, and so I soon gave up. Good thing there's modeling clay, silly putty, Play-Doh, although it can get kind of salty, I've heard, asking for a friend, though, don't know. In Bible times, pottery was everywhere. It wasn't just some craft, some hobby, just a thing you toyed with. It meant survival. It's the way they got through their day. They stored their food. They gathered their water prepped meals, cooked, served, all with pottery. Pottery is how they did everything. Pottery is what made it possible for them to do life together. That's for you, Chad. (laughs) He's like, we didn't go over that part in our notes. Yeah, before Dow brought us plastic, people got through their day with baked clay, basically. It's the Tupperware of the 70s and 80s. The disposable wear of the 80s, of the 90s, excuse me, getting my decades mixed up because I'm getting older now. So, middle age, that's all a blur. The pampered chef of the 2000s, wait a second, that looks like pottery. Maybe it is. We've come full circle. We have plastic, they had pottery. So, in a pottery-saturated world... The Lord showed his prophet an object lesson using the familiar 
to express the unfamiliar. God sends his faithful, suffering prophet Jeremiah down to the pottery workshop. You know, when Chad first asked me to preach, he said, uh, something you've been reading in, something you've been working on, and I'd been reading through Jeremiah, so uh, then it was like, what do I pick? The fig baskets of figs, the belt that got worn out by the river, so many things. Um, him being stuck in a pit, that'd be a great thing to start New Year with. <laughs> Down in the miry clay. Um, no. But uh, fortunately, over the weekend, we stayed in New, in New Orleans. And we got to go down to the beignet shop right there on the river in, in the French Quarter. And you can peer through the window and you see them working on those beignets. And so, the only difference is here, Jeremiah's not watching them make beignets. They're, they're not cutting out biscuits and throwing them in the deep fryer. Um, it's a potter working clay on a wheel. A process that seems to go on on and on and on in, in a circle as it just whirls around. Jeremiah 18. As you're turning there, we're going to be covering the potter's process, the potter's purpose, the potter's promise. So Jeremiah 18, starting in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So the potter's process... He tears the clay from the earth. He throws it on the ground. He tramples on it. And um, the Father in His mercy left that part out of this description. <laughs> These are just things that Jeremiah would know from living in that culture in the ancient time. Then the potter would soften the clay with water, knead it up into a paste... So that it was workable. And he would then slap the kneaded clay onto the wheel. And by holding the clay, manipulating it with his hands, fingers, thumbs, palms, the potter would form his vessel. What a graphic visual we have here, especially if we knew more about pottery, which I never will. Y'all already heard that part. It's important to note that God was talking to Jeremiah about what he's about to do to the nation of Judah during that time. He's got to rework them. He's got to tear them down before he can build them back up. But it's still a lesson in his sovereignty over nations throughout the world, even today. Um, nations, peoples, even us, personally, our own life. Because he applies pressure to the clay. Just like we encounter in our life, it transforms us. Those outside situations, things we call problems. Losing a job, changing jobs, a work transition, 
uh, moving to a new place altogether, um, worrying about your children, um, all those things we encounter that we see as bad things, but God's using those to refine us, to smooth out our rough edges. That's what the potter's process was about here, talking to Jeremiah about the nation of Judah, about nations around the world, about us personally. How that these are not bad things. They're uncomfortable for us. They're inconvenient. But they're also needed. They're needed for our spiritual betterment, for our spiritual exercise, for our spiritual strength. God is sovereign. He holds us in his hands. So he presses into the clay, transforming it from the outside. All those problems that we face that stress us out. Even the cat making a mess with the toilet paper. Little kid following mommy into the bathroom. She just needs a minute to herself. All those interruptions. They'd overwhelm us if it weren't for God's grace, his guiding hand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you have a couple of key verses in there. One of them is 4.16. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is renewed day by day. So beside the pressure applied from the outside, we also experience a smoothing out from the inside, the spirit within transforming us, making us pliable to his hands, to his touch. What good would it be to press on us from the outside if we were that lumpy concoction I had way back when from my pottery kit? Just unworkable. So he adds, the potter adds water to the clay, smoothing it out, making it workable, flexible, pliable, manageable while he spins it on the wheel. In Hebrews 4.12, we have the verse, Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides the spirit, joints, and marrow. It's active. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I still remember grabbing the pew at church camp as a religious churchgoer. A preacher's kid, yeah, the dreaded PK that everybody had to watch out for. Um, back in the mid-80s. Y'all already know I'm kind of old, so... You. I realized I needed to be changed, but in fact, Christ had already been changing me. I just was a little late to the party of figuring that out. So that's when it clicked with me. And that's when I became a believer instead of just a religious churchgoer. Even as a believer, though, it can still, as we well know, be too far easy to tune out God... Tragically, we're oblivious to him much of the time. We get busy. We get distracted. Um, a lot of the things that inconvenience us, we don't see them as God working in our life, that we're his creation still being refined. We're just wanting to get through our day smooth, easy, nice, convenient, comfortable. But without the softening effect of the Holy Spirit, through exposure to the truth in his word, no one will be pliable in his hands. That's why 
Paul warned us in 1 Thessalonians, can't say it, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Don't extinguish the Holy Spirit working in you. May we resist the temptation to settle for those easy comforts and to chase cheap thrills. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. Right after we read about being a living sacrifice, we have that verse about being renewed. So it's not an easy, convenient thing, but it's needful. And we need to know that there's a purpose behind it. Let's read back Jeremiah 18.4 if you're still there. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the part of the story we actually have described to us. A lot of the other information about the potter that I shared... That was taken for granted that you would know by living in that culture. Here, we see the reshaping, the remaking of a flawed vessel. How does that relate to us? Well, we know we're flawed. You can see on TV that the world's flawed. And people have all different excuses for why it's happening. Some people blame the tools we use. Some people... Blame our upbringing, outside influences, commercials, advertisements. All those things can be a factor, but it goes back to our heart. Our heart, our human nature is flawed. So the potter's here reshaping a flawed vessel so that it does what he wants it to do according to his design. Jeremiah witnesses the potter working at the wheel and disaster strikes. He'll, he works up a bowl or whatever he's making, cup, bowl, jar. It crumbles down, flops back down. It's either too soft or too hard. It's not working. But the potter just keeps working at it. There's no frustration. There's no panic. There's no irritation of lost time, wasted resources, or extra effort having to be given here. The creator creates, the designer designs, the Lord controls. And as the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, his ways are above our ways, his thoughts above our thoughts. We are to trust him with our lives because even those belong to him when you really think about it. What a work in progress, a continual process. The clay must be pliable, flexible, manageable to the master's touch. Whatever the problem, the potter must destroy the imperfect piece and start anew, forging the clay into what he wants it to be. There's not much we can do to help in the process. We're the clay. We've got to be obedient. We've got to let him influence us. We've got to let him use us. We've got to follow his commands and be flexible to his influence. 
Yet the potter doesn't get rid of the clay. He doesn't despise this imperfect piece. He keeps working with it. He salvages it. He takes something and what feels like destruction is actually an improvement. He's remodeling it. This is how God works in us. He's the potter. We are just to be pliable. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need to have our advice. I saw a church marquee one time. Everyone wants to serve God just in an advisory position. That's the only problem with it. That's not what he needs from us. He needs us to be plopped in his hands. Am I flexible in the Lord's hands? Am I exposing myself to the truths in his word by reading my Bible regularly? Am I sensitive to the Holy Spirit's pricking my conscience about my sin? Am I conscious of his greatness? Am I aware of his mission? Am I open to his plan? Am I sharing him in his ways with others around me? It's a transformative process day by day, moment by moment, situation by situation. Each little interruption that gets in our way, we feel like it does. How are we as believers to respond to life stresses? Are we supposed to just give up due to the trials of life? No, they're supposed to draw us closer to Christ. They're supposed to be a witness to the world around of how we're responding. We're not just reacting, throwing fits about how there are problems. We know there are problems and we can see the good in them because we know the truth of God's word. Jeremiah's pottery lesson gives us assurance that there's a method to all this madness. There is something that makes it all worthwhile, worth going through. In verses 5 and 6, mostly 6, we learn about the potter's promise. We've had his process, we've had his purpose, we learn about his promise. Starting verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Just like the clay in the potter's hand. We're useful to the Lord when we respond favorably to his will for our lives as he influences us. A lot of times, I at least, I can't speak, I almost said we, I can't speak for everyone else. I get caught up in what is God going to do with me? What am I going to carry? Am I a cereal bowl? Am I a casserole? I hope I'm not a casserole container in the oven. Um, uh, what is it that I get to do? What is it? What's going to be used? What am I going to be used for? When it's really about him shaping me. He's still shaping me into whatever it is. And people are watching to see how does that go. 
How is that shaping process affecting you? When I get reshaped and reshaped and reshaped, do I become disillusioned and bitter and just give up and um, grumpy? My wife would probably say, yeah. Um, are they seeing something supernatural happening in this reshaping process that just keeps going on, on and on, on this wheel which I don't know if Jeremiah knew the earth is going around like this also. Continual process of reshaping, reshaping. When Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, God went ahead and told him ahead of time, some of us don't get this advantage or disadvantage, whatever you want to call it, knowing ahead of time what's going to happen with our life. You're going to be a prophet who speaks to the people about how they're going to be torn down and rebuilt. He's like, oh, goody. I get to go tell everybody about how they're going to be destroyed and then it's going to start over. Both judgment and hope are part of Jeremiah's message. And, um, you know, he's not alone with that message. Uh, That is the gospel. We find out how we have a problem that we can't fix on our own and how it can be solved really by no part of our own either. God does the work. Jeremiah took a jar one time broken in front of the people to show them how there was going to be destruction. What judgment looks like. How serious it is. How it can't just be put back together easily. I don't know if that's where they got Humpty Dumpty from or not. The jar got knocked off the shelf. The egg fell off the fence. But maybe so. But it doesn't stop there. Jeremiah also bought a field in Jerusalem right before it got destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. He bought a field there showing the people that there was hope. They would return And although all these buildings were destroyed and burnt, pulverized, crumbled down, bulldozed over. I guess there wasn't a bulldozer, but same effect. Um, The people were carried off and eventually brought back. So it's not, not all hope was lost. In fact, when I was really pondering whether to use Jeremiah, because people see Jeremiah as a a negative, a downer. You can't start the year with Jeremiah. The more I dug into it, the more I realized it's a very hopeful book. It's about not just God's wrath, not just God's judgment, but his hope, his mercy, his grace. That's really what it's about. And even in the middle of Lamentations, the next book after Jeremiah, that he wrote when he was weeping over the destruction of Jerusalem... Even in the very middle, the heart of that book is where we have those really famous verses about his mercies are new every morning that you see on placards. People don't tell you, this is about Jerusalem's destruction, but I hung it up on my wall because it's the mercy part that shines out of all of that doom and gloom.
Yeah, a watching world is observing this gradual, remarkable, unexplainable, supernatural transformation that's happening in each of our lives. They're watching with perplexed hearts. Some of them lash out, venomous in their attacks against faith, against even just prayer. Don't pray for me. I don't believe in that. But it's just a symptom of the hurt, the searching, the the searching for answers that people are going through. And we have the answer. And they're watching it at work in our lives. And they're just waiting for someone to share that with them. Lives redeemed through Christ crucified. Lives reshaped by His Spirit's leading. Lives guaranteed to be restored upon His return. What beautiful, versatile vessels are being made new on this grand pottery wheel that just spins and spins and spins. This planet of ours. Things are destroyed, but they're rebuilt. There's judgment, but there's hope. We're dismayed, but we're renewed. I know that's how I felt at eight years old in the mid-80s. Here I go again, getting my decades mixed up. Mid-80s. Grabbed that pew. I knew there was a problem. I needed Jesus. I was lost. He had died for me. That's what they had been preaching about the whole time that night. Lump in my throat. Walked down the front. My mom thought I was sleepwalking probably. Um... I know she was wondering because she thought, what's wrong with them? That's when I became a believer, but the struggle's not over. Yes, my salvation's assured. I'm in his hands, but he's still working. He's still shaping. He won't be done with that until this wheel quits turning. Either that or I leave this wheel. Do you notice something awry in your heart? Are we suppressing flaws that we don't want to face? Sometimes God has to tear down that wall of pride that we attempt to hold up so that he can save us from our own deceitful ways and selfish desires. Yes, we put walls up. The Bible talks about how we can deceive ourselves. The human heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? That Holy Spirit can cut through there. As Hebrews 4.12 talks about. Like surgery. I've noticed the Spirit's tug on my heart many times since becoming a Christian. Every time my selfishness rears its ugly head. I notice that tug on my heart or I hope I do. Because it's good for it. Let's make this new year about getting back into shape. But spiritual shape... Two, becoming the vessel God's been envisioned for all eternity. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, we had that verse 4.16 about being renewed. But we also have the verse 4.7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. 
that people will realize it's not of us. We are containers. We are being shaped to contain the treasure of Jesus. To have Jesus working in us. And in that way he's working through us. Another prophet Isaiah talked about pottery too. Again it was everywhere. Just like plastic today. Yet O Lord you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Isaiah 64 8. Respond to Christ's design for your life. Right here. Right now. Today. Grab someone near you. Someone you trust. Someone you want to talk to. We'd love to share answer with you. About trusting Jesus with your life. I'll be in the back if you want to come talk to me. Um, but let's respond today. Get back into spiritual shape. Whether you're a believer, unbeliever. The struggle is real. Let's make things right with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for everyone who's here to celebrate you. Lord, it's a new year. It's a new start. You've been reshaping us all along, but this is a reminder of your work in our lives. And those, Lord, sickness, disease, job changes, worrying about our income, worrying about our kids, taking care of our parents. Lord, whatever it is, help us to realize that you're still there. You're not panicking. And as that wheel turns, you're shaping things just as they need to be shaped. Help us not to go by our feelings, but to go by your truths in your holy word, Lord. Thank you for everything you do to provide for us, how you redeem us. In your name we pray, amen.